Welcome, everybody, to a, a little experiment, something that we've kind of been bouncing around in uh, in our old brains, something that kind of came up randomly, and something that I feel that we should act on. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, my name is Tom, and sitting across the table from me right now is Jordan. Jordan is nodding instead of acknowledging you guys audibly. <laughs> Hello, world! Is this thing on? <laughs> check, check. So we decided, I started a podcast. I'm still waiting for my cucumber water that you promised me. Oh, the, pro- the cucumber water from the assistant. <laughs> from the assistant. So I started a podcast just for something fun to do, uh, something to get some creativity flowing. And I, I messaged Jordan and I was like, hey, you know, if you got half an hour to spare, you know, take a listen to this. Tell me what you think. And that's when he replied back. He goes, you're not going to believe me. I've been thinking about starting a podcast myself, and I've been thinking about making it faith-based along with mental health-based. And I was like, this is wild because that's what my other podcast is about, is about mental health and just talking. And we just got talking on this rabbit hole, talking about our faith journeys, talking about our lives, and the whole time I just kept thinking, this is wild how different yet so similar it is. And... We just decided we're going to record our thoughts, put them out there, I'll edit it together, we'll release it, see if anybody has any interest in it, and we'll just go from there. How you feeling, Jordan? Yeah, you pretty much summed it up. I, As you were going through that, I realized some other coincidences, and that's something we'll get into deeper. Even though you can't see us, Tom and I look very similar. (laughs) I make the joke that when we stand next to each other, it's like one of those spot the six differences pictures. Yeah. Uh, Tom has been mistaken for me in public as a man with a great singing voice. (laughs) Which you do have a great singing voice. You know, don't take that away from you. (laughs) Who has led worship, and that is... That is inaccurate. Tom has not led worship to date. <laughs> to date? <laughs> to date. I can't carry a tune. We have not recruited him yet <laughs> to the worship team. But I do go on stage and talk from time to time. Yeah, yeah. You do great hosting, actually. Hey, you do great worship. Well, thank you. And, yeah, I had been thinking about this for a while, talking to some people about it, and I just never did it. I am an avid listener of podcasts myself, and... There's really no space that connects mental health and faith together uh, in, in a really open, safe space. Tom and I have drawn some eerie similarities uh, in the past 48 hours. And, you know, even prior to knowing really about Tom, uh, Pastor Dave at our church had always said that I should speak with him about coincidences and I myself have experienced a few more so recently as I've leaned further into my faith journey and ironically we probably should have connected months ago Uh, through faith obviously I think we're here tonight and certainly daunting to face you know the the possibility of being vulnerable publicly, but I don't, you know, it's something that we just have to continue to pray about. I think Mm -hmm. that maybe this is something that connects um, deeper than just two guys sitting at a table. Maybe it's supposed to be something that gets produced and shared. And as we kind of go through this journey, I think you'll find that 
our credentials lie in the experiences we've had and that it needs to be okay to talk about that stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's I think that sums it up. <laughs> I think that I think that sums it up quite well actually. And you know, you're talking about our credentials, our, our experiences and I volunteer a lot of my time with the youth and I get so much gratification from it, but at the same time, I don't it's not that you know I don't hide anything from the kids. Yeah. But I also don't go super deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I have a lot of regrets in my life that have led me to the point I am now. But the thing about regrets, and I'm not saying this to downplay regrets. I'm not at all. You know, so so don't think I'm trying to say that regrets don't matter, whatever, whatever, whatever. Regrets do matter. But the thing is, is you need to grow from those regrets. You need to learn from those regrets because the mistakes of your past are what mold you and shape you into who you are now. If you can identify it and use it as a growth tool. Mm -hmm. So, and what I mean by that is things I've done in my past, I wish I could take it away. And on the opposite side of the coin... It's what got me to where I am now. Yeah. So it, it's kind of the whole, you need to accept your own shortcomings and your own failures, but you still have to regret them. It, it's, it's very weird and it's a delicate balance, but it's something that I work on every day. Cause I think, I think from time to time, whenever I see hurt and pain and distrust and, just everything that my actions have caused and I just feel absolutely gutted and terrible and I, I it, it's easy to wallow it's easy to yeah feel I, sorry I, for yourself yeah, I think it comes down to uh, you can either use those mistakes for nothing yep and then they're just a mistake and, and then it's just mistakes that you continue to make and or you can see those things a mile away mm -hmm. in in other people and eliminate stigmas and talk about it. Right. Exactly. So again, because I've said this before, like we are all struggling, mm -hmm. um, and it's okay to struggle. A thousand percent. Even as uh, it's okay to struggle. Yeah. And it's okay, you know. And this is this is a cliche hoodie, you know, coffee mug saying, but it's okay to not be okay. And I think that's the one thing that I really want to get across is it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to struggle. Yeah. But you're not alone. No. You are definitely not alone. And and you had said earlier about faith and, and grace, and I always find it kind of funny that you leading, you lead worship. Correct. I go up, I host on occasion. And, and one of the main things that is always said from my mouth, your mouth, whoever's preaching's mouth, that, you know, grace is available to you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your past. You know, grace is available to you. Yeah. And I say it, and I mean it, but there's still that part of me that says, but not me. Yeah. And and that's 
that's a really hard thing well, to Well, I, I sang those, those lyrics to that song. That's, it says, uh, I can't help but think Amazing Grace is for everybody else. Right. And, yeah, in a, in a weird roundabout way, we've also both discovered that we both felt un, like, it, like the feeling of unquali- not being qualified uh, eliminated us from even being in the, the running. Mm-hmm. To be in any sort of leadership capacity. Yeah. 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 And something I've learned recently through listening to podcasts, sermons in, in more particular, is that we're actually praying to the same God that went to Moses, mm-hmm. who was a murderer, who went to Jacob, who was most well known for being somewhat of a shyster. Um, let's not forget Mary. Uh, Mary was a peasant. Like it. You start to see things in a different light. Like when I when I hear that now, I go, you know, I am I am a Jacob, and there's there's a song called Same God, where it's, I am the God of, I, basically we're we're worshiping the same exact God that existed then, is the same one we're worshiping now, and that God chose broken people, to, further His kingdom. He didn't go after perfect people. No. And. One of the sermons I had heard early on um, when I was kind of returning to Christianity was that basically God loves all of us and that there weren't any other perfect people in the church I was sitting in. <laughs> and it sounds stupid now, but like that can become what you know you think when you go to different churches. Yeah. That, you know... It's I, I think it's crazy, you know. People, everybody has it together on Sunday, and you hear the stories, you know, after yelling at the kids for two hours and to get them in the van, and they roll into church so perfect and prim and proper. But that's so far from the reality of right. what's going on in everybody else, everyone else's minds. Yeah. So going back to the whole about feeling eliminated for being in any sort of leadership capacity. I'm going to hover there for a few minutes. I'll I'll tell a few stories, and then if you have some to add, you you can as well. When when I first decided to maybe give faith in church another chance, I was actually... I was on the mental health floor in the hospital. A floor I've I've visited myself multiple times. And I'm on the mental health floor. In, In the day that... I'm checked into the hospital. Uh, the this man walks into the hospital. He'll tell you he's six foot five and incredibly ripped. He uh, can hit home runs. Oh, can he hit home runs? Consistent. Are we talking about the same person? Yes. Okay. S- starts with a D and sounds like hockey. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. He he. Yeah. I I hate to say this because he's probably going to listen to this. I hope he does. But he can. We call him Dinger Dave. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Anyway, I'm I'm on I'm, I'm in the hospital and he he shows up. He introduces himself and we just start talking. Not about faith, not about whatever, but the conversation did lead that way eventually. And you know, I told him about my journey, about growing up in the church and, and walking away from faith. And I I half-jokingly say it now, but it's also 
not a joke at the same time, but I spent a good chunk of my late teens, all of my 20s, and my early 30s trying to prove God didn't exist. And I got pretty proficient at proving my points and in having these conversations. So after I'm in the hospital for a couple days, again, totally just, I'm at a low. I, I am having a really, really bad day. And I'm sitting in like the lobby area of the mental health floor, mental yep. health wing. Yeah, pretty, pretty depressing area. And... I, I'm just, I'm literally pacing. I'm... They, they, not to distract from your story, but they haven't changed the writing on the, 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 uh, the lift you up quote on the board there in three years. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, anyway. So on. I'm literally pacing and I'm like, I'm going to read a book and I can't concentrate on a book. I'm like, I'm going to do a puzzle and I'm like, I can't, whatever. And I sit down in one of the chairs and I'm just thinking, and keep in mind, for the last three days, I've been on the mental health floor, and the nurses are like, do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about what you're feeling? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. So I sit down in the chair. <laughs> yeah. I sit down in the chair, and I'm thinking, and I remember, I literally think, I'm ready to talk. And I'm getting ready to stand up, track down a nurse, and who do you suppose walks through the doors at that exact moment? Dinger Dave. Dinger Dave. And... I, I'm like, okay, this is epic. This, this is silly. So we sit down, we talk, and I remember he was relaying messages to me from like my parents about how they haven't disowned me, you know, they they still love me despite the mistakes I've made, despite, you know, the circumstance in which I'm in this area. And he I don't remember if he said come to church on Sunday sometime, or I said, maybe I'll come to church on Sunday sometime. I don't remember. And and how long ago was this? This was 2019. Okay, so pretty recent. Yeah. And he goes, you know, come to church, and I and I and the words come out of my mouth, I don't have it figured out. And he looks at me, and he just kind of, you know, you know the, the smile laugh, you know, he's like, yeah. he goes, I'm going to tell you a secret. He does that when he hits home run. Yeah. He goes, I'm going to tell you a secret. He goes, nobody has it figured out and i'm like what does he mean by that yeah and we were sitting there and we were talking he goes hey you know there's a bible verse that that i'd like to read to you and he reads me this bible verse and i still remember it it's romans 3 23 24 and he reads it to me and it's stuck in my head and i'm thinking to myself i really want after he leaves, I'm like, I really want to hear, like, I really want to read that verse again. And I'm like, but I don't have my phone. I don't have whatever. And don't you suppose on the bookshelf is a Bible that looks like it's never been cracked open. And I'm like, okay. So I take it, I go back to my room, and I just start reading it. The, the weekend that I get out, I'm, I'm staying at my parents' house. And Sunday morning rolls around, and my brother, who... My brother and I, we aren't close yeah. It's not that we have, we don't have a bad relationship by any stretch of the imagination. We talk, we text, we laugh, we joke, we, we can get serious when we need to, but we don't, we don't spend a lot of time with each other. Yeah. And that that's mostly just you, life. You probably stay away from certain topics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Been there. Um, And he, he rolls into my parents' house, he goes, you're going to church. He's like, I'm doing slides, so you can come up in the, come <sighs> up in the, in the, in the booth. He's like, no one will see you. 
You can just come in, you can whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so we drive in, and I remember walking through the doors, and I'm thinking the whole time as I'm walking through those doors, I'm like, people are going to call me out. Yeah. Like, I haven't been here for 16 years, I'm going to get called out. Yeah. I walked through the doors, and it was nothing but... Love. Love. Hugs. Yeah. I missed you. So glad you're here. Whatever. And I felt it then. Just recently... Uh, at a baptism, we heard that same testimony. Yeah, that this mature woman had given up on God. Yeah, and didn't think she could ever experience uh, love. And and let me be clear: we're we're both of the Wesleyan denomination. Yep. I was raised Baptist. I also I, was raised I Baptist until was... about six or seven years old. Then we went to the Wesleyan. Raised, yeah. So raised Baptist as well. You know, this goes out to anybody of any denomination. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, just a safe open space. But we do go to a Wesleyan church that is... Wesleyan is not a distant cousin of the Baptist. No, it's pretty... <laughs> like, there, there's a lot of the same... Yeah. So, it's different. It's unique, and and We're, it's also very progressive. Super, and we have two other campuses, uh, one in the south end of our town, and that church has just been growing continually. One in Barrington, and then one in a more rural area. Um, that is just, and the crazy part is. It's every walk of life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where you come from. There's, you know, there's so much hope to be found in, in Jesus and in exploring what he actually did, who he actually is and what it actually means to love um, other people. And that's of any, whatever, you know, it's just unique. It's a great experience. It's so an amazing I, experience. I fully, I fully experienced that myself, but only when my heart was ready to receive it. Because mm-hmm. um, I did go there for oh, probably two years, just intermittently. Uh, and I've kind of given my testimony before, but I sat in the back for two years with a very cold heart. Um had completely written God off. And that's one of the notes I wrote down here was that we both kind of wrote the faith off completely. Yeah. Um, so, which is why it's such an incredible feat that I think we're back to this point and I can only explain it through, uh, through my faith because yeah. I mean, I, I take medications, you know, let's eliminate that stigma because I think a lot of people do and there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. I thought for years that, you know, I could beat that and it destroyed my, destroyed me. Um, so let's wipe that off the table. But, you know, I sat in the back of that church for a long time with a cold heart and didn't want to receive anything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, um, I didn't. And, and the worship pastor at the time, uh, a guy I consider to be a great friend just kept tugging, um, and, you know, one service I heard that, the the parable Luke 15, I talk about this a lot, um, so get used to it. But <laughs> it's, the, it's the parable where 
the shepherd has the hundred sheep, he loses mm-hmm. the one. Yep. Yep. And it was the parable series that Pastor AJ preached. And it hit me then. I'll just tell the story because I think it's I think it's valuable. Um I'll tell you it in its entirety because I've never done this from the platform of being a worship leader. And so it started with uh, my oldest sister dragging me to the mental, uh, to the emergency room. And she basically said like, you need help with me. With me it was, uh, it was my mom and my wife who drugged me and I was, so this is another in real time coincidental discovery. Yes. It was my mom and my wife and I was in the middle of a mental break talking talking to my mom about it now my mom said that she thought that i was gonna knock her out that's how (sighs) that's how out of it i was oh man and i remember i remember parts of the day i don't remember all of the day yeah but the one thing that i i remember and i will never forget for the rest of my life is yelling at my child so much so that the amount of fear I saw in his eyes that day haunts me to this day. And every time I even remotely raise my voice around him, he jumps, even to this day. Wow. And that's something that's very hard for me. Yeah. And... uh there there will be some days i'm just sitting there at work or i'm sitting sitting here in the living room and i get that flash of my son who was 3 years old at the time just absolutely terrified yeah. of me yeah yeah it's i'll get back to my uh well i guess we can call it a testimony but um it, there's there's always that like one thing that sticks in your brain and it was just i don't know what it was she just knew that i needed to go in then um and you know this isn't like okay i'm waking up today and realizing i need help this is like i've denied this for months at this point like nope i'm okay uh, just keep going. I'm a masculine man's man and you know, nothing's going to break me all the while I was just uh, being more self-destructive yeah. in the process. So, uh, she took me in. This was, I, I believe three or four years ago. I don't recall the timeline that well. Cause I really honestly don't like reliving, uh, that part of my life i same but so it is like i don't i don't like reliving it either but sometimes you need to to it is one of the harsh realities of uh of overcoming exactly things so took me in and the doctor at the time on call was uh, a doctor that's very familiar with the mental health of uh, my my close family Mm -hmm. um but also he's a he's a child um doctor so he doesn't normally deal with adults 
he's predominantly deals with uh, children, young adults. But because he was the emergency physician, he was able to take my case. So I remember going in there and we went in this office and just sat on these couches. And I was still like, even in that moment, denying that I even needed to be there. Um, wasn't really sure why we were there, but I was there. And okay, well, the doctor doesn't have a car. He actually rides a bike. So it's just going to be, you know, another 30 minutes. Like, great. I'll go pick him up if it means I get seen sooner. Sooner. Yeah. Can we send a taxi? Like, come on. Come on, dude. You're riding your bike today. And we just sat there. And the thing for me was I couldn't articulate anything. I couldn't say because I didn't understand. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I still thought I didn't need to be there. Right. So I just remember my sister running point on the entire situation. My wife. My wife, same thing. And still in denial um, throughout most of it. And unbeknownst to me and a lot of... So I'll, I'll say I think there's, you know, there's mental health that's impacted people their entire lives. I'll be up front and say I never had mental health issues until I had my fifth major concussion. So there was there's been brain trauma involved. So that's what started mine, but I won't deny that you know some people are born with mm-hmm. anxiety and depression. Um that wasn't the case for me. I say that I inherited it and as a result of brain trauma from playing hockey, football, uh, rugby, although I never had any concussions playing rugby. It was yeah. one of the safer sports. But but uh, that, that's just another, like you said, another real-time coincidence that you couldn't articulate why you were there too, and someone oh, else had to... I I had no idea. Someone else had to run the conversation for you. and It, it was like my body froze. Yep. Like I wasn't really even in the room. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm going to say something, this might be edited out because it might be a bit too a bit too heavy um but i was sitting there with the doctor who was interviewing me who was actually i believe an intern because i personally knew the doctor on call at the time and he was like this is too close to like i can't yeah um and i was sitting in that room still reeking of gasoline from a suicide attempt wow yeah so. But, but if we don't talk about it, I don't think it helps anybody. Right. So it, it's real. It's part of my story. Yeah. I, and, you know, I think through the grace of God, being authentic here in this space is going to progress any, you know, type of help we hope to provide anybody. Um, that's real talk. Yep. I've certainly been there in yep. a, in a different scenario. And I remember being in that room and not being in that room at the same mm. time. I, I, I could not speak. As, as weird as this is going to sound, you saying being in that room but not being in that room, when I have my foggy recollection of me in that room, 
it's me standing in the doorway looking into the room and seeing the three of us myself included yeah like i yeah. it, it, it it's the closest thing i've ever had to an outer body experience yeah yeah which definitely lends its hand to the fact that we both were in the right place at the right time <laughs> at the right time and we're not laughing to make light no. of things it's just laughing because it's hindsight is 2020 hindsight and we're is... gonna you're gonna hear that i think consistently yeah uh throughout this whatever this becomes um so coincidentally, the doctor who knew my family history had actually helped my sister growing up had been studying concussions in young people. Okay. And how how old were you when you had your fifth concussion? Eighteen. Okay. Yeah, five before eighteen. Yeah, and and mostly between the ages of fifteen to eighteen. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's a story for another day. The the hockey, the concussions, that that journey, um, because it's, I think it's important to where I am today. Um, that part I will talk about. But he said, you know, I know I know the drug you should be on, and I was like, okay. He goes, you know, given your brain history, some of the more aggressive drugs could actually do more harm than good wow wow and only somebody with that experience i think would have made that call that day mm -hmm. because i have gone to my family doctor since then in instances of emergency where uh and, and this is no fault of his he's not a psychologist or a psychiatrist but more aggressive drugs get prescribed um they're harsher on the body the um, the effects, you know, they tire you out, give you fatigue, which fatigue leads you to do less, which makes you feel more depressed. It's it's the cycle. Like a lot of people talk about not not to derail your thought, but a lot of people who are on antidepressants and whatnot, they talk about you know one of the side effects of a lot of antidepressants is weight gain. Yeah, which makes you more depressed. Yeah, which gives you more like a higher dosage of antidepressant, which means you're gaining more weight. Right, which means yeah. you're more depressed. Like... Yeah. Oh man, you're speaking my language. <laughs> so, just I guess in that moment, thankful that he was in that position. Um, it wasn't a quick fix drug. I'll tell you that it takes six months to to feel any effect. You just basically crap your pants for six months. <laughs> Fair. And you have to have faith. I don't know why I did. Somebody who didn't think he needed to be on anything, I, I stuck it out for six months, and then you start to feel better. And there were no adverse effects on my brain. I wasn't on any... And you know what? I'm not downplaying if any, of, if any people are on you know, higher dosage, more aggressive medication. I'm not downplaying that at all. It can be very helpful. In my situation with my brain trauma, it could have been very detrimental right. in that situation. So if if you've been prescribed something by a psychiatrist, I'm not downplaying. No, you know, definitely not. Because I know people personally that are on aggressive medications that keep them going every day. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that at all. Um, so, yeah, that kind of happened. And 
finally started to feel better after six months could finally start to understand myself you know kind of how I felt and my sister invited me to CR which Mm -hmm. is celebrate Celebrate recovery recovery. now for for privacy reasons I won't get into many details about that but that's a great program through the church it could be in your church Um, it's basically uh, broken people helping broken broken other broken people. What is it? Uh, if bring your your hurts, your hangups. What's the tagline that that Dinger Dave always says? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. I wasn't in it long enough to remember. Okay, that's not you know. It did help. Very helpful. Yeah. Um, I do recommend it to everybody. Yeah. In that first session, this is funny. <laughs> this is happening in real time. Oh no. Dave Hockley, <laughs> Dinger Dave, Dinger Dave gave his testimony, and I won't go into the details because that's that's his story. But yeah. that same night, the song "So Will I" was playing on the TV, and that song basically gets into you know if the rocks cry out and worship, so will I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and it started hitting me like I need to do that too. Yeah. Like maybe that's, maybe I need to oh, be. I maybe I need to receive what God was actually putting on me, and it was like my cold heart just shattered. And then I started to want more. Mm-hmm. So the very next day, I got up. Dave can attest to this. I sent him an email, um, and basically, in the email said, "Hey, Dave, I don't know you from a fly in, a hole in the wall." But I do want to meet with you, uh, talk with you, and get help. And <laughs> I met with Dinger Dave <laughs> before he was even playing softball so on, what, on our team. What year was this? I want to say like 2021. Okay, so fairly recent as well. Yeah. Um, met with him, started getting help there, started getting professional help through the hospital. Yep. Uh, Dave wasn't a psychiatrist, uh, but, you know, more regular basis getting help. And then I remember the, this is full circle back to the parables, and sorry if this was taking some time, but it's the truth. Um, Sitting in a service one Sunday, they sang the song, it's Corey Asbury's Reckless Love, and it's like, uh, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, like, this is really hitting. I don't want to feel like this. Uh, you know, like, if that heart could just freeze again so I don't feel all happy like this. And then Pastor AJ preached on the parable, Luke 15, about how the shepherd leaves the 99 to find the one and bring him back to the flock. And, like, in that moment, I just felt this presence that was like, you're the one, and I'm going to keep knocking until you receive, and you can fight it, but you're not going to win. It became very apparent, and I just started leaning in more. Mm -hmm. I joined a group called, uh, I was studying a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. A great book. I highly recommend it. If if you have a lot of 
hurry in your life or your head is busy all the time, read that book. Um, and as we read through that book, I started to understand how God wants to have a relationship with us. He doesn't just want us to be afraid of burning in hell for mm-hmm. eternity. It's a wholesome approach, mm-hmm. which ironically, after one of my you know, really bad lows, my sister had sent me a text that said, I think you need to understand what it means to be whole with God. And I texted her back and said, I'm pretty sure I know what it means to be whole with God, but, you know, thanks. Like, I read my Bible, I pray, I get it covered. Um, and she just kind of wrote, ha, ha, ha. So oh, She knew. She knew. Yeah. 100% she knew. So I started leaning in, started clearing the clutter, uh, got rid of social media, which I think will be a topic for another day. I was about to say, we will definitely talk about the elimination <laughs> yeah, of social media. We'll, we'll dive into that and, and what it meant for my mental health journey and for Tom's. Um, but all that to say, once I cleared up enough busyness in my life, I was able, able to actually uh, see God for who he is mm-hmm. and and his actual grace, his actual mercy, his actual ability to forgive. And, you know, a friend of mine recently asked me this question. We were having coffee. And she said, have you forgiven yourself? And I still didn't know. And it scares me, but I'm praying about it right now. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's like the final step in surrendering in a weird way. Just to forgive yourself. And I don't know if you ever thought about that question. I had never thought about it until I, she asked it. I'm working through that. I don't know what your journey was like through that, if it was just instantaneous or if you fought through it, because that's what I'm going I'm, through right I'm now. I'm still fighting but, it. Yeah. I'm still fighting it. So, yeah, anyway, heard that song, got involved with worship. Worship pastor called in sick on Easter, which is like Christmas for Santa Claus for a worship pastor you (laughs) that's a very accurate description it's like it's like your it's like your coachella fair yeah it is it's coachella music festival for christians for christians easter sunday it's like your best songs you know we're bringing it all the fireworks there were no fireworks no but you get what we mean yeah it's it's a bit more of a production than just you know a sunday yeah so I remember getting the text from the worship pastor that said, hey, I'm, I'm feeling sick. Uh, so when we do a rehearsal this week, I want you to lead all the songs. Oh, wow. Because I'm losing my voice. Yeah. But he said, I'm going to get on uh, antibiotics, and that's going to allow me to hopefully sing by Sunday. So I said, okay. So I went to the rehearsal like, you know, I got this. No problem. No nerves. I'm just basically... The backup, second-string quarterback, that's what I said to him. I'm like, no problem. Led all the songs perfectly that night. And it's like, yeah, he'll be there tomorrow. Because like, as a worship pastor, you want to be there on Easter. Yeah, exactly. Coachella Music Festival <laughs> right. for Christians. So I got up that morning, and I got the text. I Like, I can't make it. You, you're on. You got this. And, like, and I think it was like 700 people, one service. And, yeah. Like, it was a big Sunday. We would traditionally, between two services, see five, 
Five hundred people. Five, under five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And these Sundays, you probably double that. Yeah. For each service. Exactly. Because everybody's family's home. Basically, when I show up, the band is at the piano discussing whether or not they thought I was going to show up. Are you serious? <laughs> because my anxiety's that bad. Oh, okay. And that's why I say it's only through God's grace that I even get up on the stage. Yeah. Because if it was up to me, I'd be in the bathroom sick. Right. Like, that's, yeah. that's just who I am. Anyway, I walked in, no problem. Uh, to take my medication, which I normally take in the mornings before worship, I need to eat food. Or they just it messes my stomach. That morning, I didn't have time to get food. So I didn't have time to take my medication. No, no. It went off without a hitch. And in events that have followed that, um, I'm now in a position where I'm helping lead the worship team. Yeah. Um, we're developing people um, into leaders and hopefully sending them out into the church to develop other leaders. And, and all that's to say that mental health and faith can intersect. 100%. They need to intersect. They need to intersect because it's the journey that you and I are on. And we are only two people in a world full of millions. Yeah. Confusion. Who are confused, who, like you had said earlier, have too much hurry and busyness in their life. And yeah. mental health and faith need to intersect. Like, let's let's remove stigmas. Stigmas gone. Out the door. Yes, I did a I did a baseball motion. They're gone. They're gone. Tom threw stigmas. They are gone. One thing I want to circle back on. You had mentioned the moment that your cold heart shattered. And you knew the moment that your cold heart shattered. Yep. And I've never really used that terminology before. Yep. But I know the exact moment my cold heart shattered. Okay. It was uh it was October seventh, twenty nineteen. That was the, the day that I had mentioned that my brother drug me to church. Yeah. I was sitting up in the booth. I remember thinking, I, I openly mocked God at that moment. I've done that before. And I remember thinking, okay, you've got me in this building. You have my attention for 30 minutes. Impress oh, you told me. me this story. Yeah, it's a good Im story. Impress me. And for those 30 minutes, the name of AJ's sermon that day was called Spiritual Living in a Secular World. <laughs> and <laughs> and for 30 minutes, I say AJ at this moment in time, but know that for those 30 minutes, it was not AJ talking. It was God talking through AJ <laughs> yeah. directly to me about my life. That's another stigma I want to talk about on another day is encounters with, with God. Oh, yeah. I They're think, real. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll dive into that in a little bit more depth. Um, we do hope to have some pastoral staff. Yeah, here's on. open. That's an open invitation to all of you. <laughs> and, you know, just dive deeper into this whole, you know, what does the Bible say about mental health? Um, are there tools there for, for my life that can help me? Yep. And I think we're going to just walk this journey together. Yep. Um, this this first episode felt quite natural. 100%. And 
we're going to work on a title. So, <laughs> um, so he he preached for thirty minutes. Yeah, and it was my life. It was not only my life; it was what I was experiencing at that moment. Yeah, it was what I had experienced over the last couple of years. Where I don't want to say the world had failed me because it didn't. It was my actions in the world, you know. But it was where. Yeah, that's one thing I have to say because this happened to me. I was kind of giving my testimony a few weeks ago at Coastal Church. Okay. Um, and I told people not to feel bad. Yeah. Because it was self-inflicted. 100%. <laughs> um, it, it was 100%. And he talked about ways to love each other. And he was talking about love tanks and love languages and, and yeah. everything else. And I'm like, oh, man, like, this is the stuff that my wife had been telling me for years. But it took me being on the mental health floor and God speaking to me directly to actually listen. And it isn't isn't it like somebody like pulled you in a classroom by your ear, sat you down in a chair, and they're standing right in front of you at the whiteboard going, Look at this. Look. Look, right here. And you can't miss it. Yep. That yeah. Yeah. Same experience. So I remember after the sermon was done, they were singing the last song. And I, I couldn't even tell you what song it was because I was crying too hard. <laughs> and I mean, my shirt was soaked. Like, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I was just crying so hard. And after after it was done, I, I remember I looked, I looked at my brother and I said, I got to talk to him. I got to go down. I got to talk to that guy. So I went down. Keep in mind, I had met AJ a couple times yeah. throughout the years, strictly from my parents who... Yeah, and I had known AJ. He married my sister. Right. He married my brother. Yeah. And uh, he was always super pleasant, would always say hi to me whenever he saw me in public, you know, whatever. And and I went up to him, and I could only imagine what I looked like. Because like I said, I had been bawling my face off. And I remember... The words I tried to say, whether I was able to formulate these words or just came out as, <laughs> but the words, <laughs> the words I tried to say to him that day were, if you leave today wondering if you touched somebody, just know it's me. Wow. That's what I tried to say to him, whether I articulated that or not. Yeah. And without thinking, I hugged him. And... AJ always says, if you want to hug, go find Dave. <laughs> yeah. And and he reciprocated, probably out of pity. Not probably the first guy you'd expect to get hugged back from. Right. But it was... it was, it was On a, first appearance. It was a good embrace. Yeah. I felt safe. Um, but one, one would. But what makes it even weirder of a story is as I'm leaving, I feel a tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and it's this woman... And she's crying too. And her words to me were, I have been praying all week that you would be here. And it was my nurse on the mental health floor. <laughs> and I'm like, come on. I got nothing to say to that. So I left, um, went back home. Speechless. My, my, brother, my brother drove me home. He drove me to his house. And I walked back home to my parents' house, which is about a half an hour walk. And on my walk, the whole time I'm thinking, I, I got to, like, I can't ignore these coincidences anymore. Because we've talked about coincidences, and I'm yeah. sure we'll get 
Yeah. Deeper into that someday. Yeah. I'm like, I can't ignore these coincidences anymore. So I called up my friend, Mike, who happened to be the pastor of the Salvation Army at that moment in time. Yeah. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, you're not going to believe what happened. I've had many of those calls in the last six months. So I'm talking, I'm talking to my buddy, Mike, and I'm like, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. You know, this is where I've been for the last week. You know, that this is what got me there. You know, full transparency. Here's whatever. And he laughed. Because we're talking about a guy who, he tried to get me to come out to like men's groups. He tried to get me to do all that because he knew my story of growing up in the church, being turned off from mm-hmm. it. Yep. He's like, you can come. He's like, you can talk about all that. I never did. So he just laughs. And we go silent for about five seconds. And I said, I'm ready to accept him. <sighs> and as I'm walking home from my brother's house, we did like a sinner's prayer together. Yep. And I remember after we were done, his words to me were, being saved isn't the finish line. Yeah. You're just starting the race. Yeah. And that's that, I think, brings up another topic that we can talk about, which is stagnant Christianity. Yep. Um, because I've been in that space. Yeah. It's where you kind of just go through the motions, um, and you're kind of waiting for something to happen, but another topic we can get into is that God's actually waiting for us to lean into him. Right. To reciprocate. Right. And he, he will do that, which I think is a great space to go. So on Sunday, I had always used the leading when, when describing my journey, walking away from faith, coming back to faith. I always attributed it to that really cheesy footprints poem. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, it. Oh, it's on everybody's bathroom. But I'm no longer doing that. As you have said, he waits for you to lean into him. Yeah. He's not going to carry you through faith. No. He's not going to drag you kicking and screaming. Nope. What he's going to do, and it was actually Brett on Sunday, and I, I, I walked up and, and told him this, like, that analogy is perfect. You're walking along with Jesus for a couple years. And then all of a sudden, he's going to take a couple steps ahead. And then he's going to stop, and he's going to look back, and he's going to be like, well, I'm here waiting for you. Yeah. And he's not that figure sitting up on the top of the mountain. That's funny, because that spoke to me as well. Right. And you don't have to you don't have to climb that mountain 100% by yourself to meet him at the top. Yeah. He's going to meet you halfway. Yeah. But you have to meet him. Yeah. I've found that even so more recently as last week. Like, I felt last week like I had an off week. Yeah. But I also felt like I didn't lean into him as much as weeks previous. And this week I've kind of done the opposite, and I'm right back on track. Nice. If that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, And the clarity to be able to see that now and and take the detour or just correct. Like, I think I said to somebody today I was talking to, I said, it feels like... I'm driving the car from the middle of two lanes back into one lane. That's a great analogy, actually. And I'm just going steady. Yeah. Um, well, Tom, I think I think for the first kind of pilot episode... Uh, I was just going to say, we've been talking for an hour. <laughs> yeah, we've certainly touched on, I think, everything that we want this to be about. Um, 
we've definitely developed places to take this, topics to discuss. Yep. We're we're going to be working on a name, so by the time you hear this, it will be named. And if you want more, let us know. We will do yes. more. I, I, I was just going to say, if if it would mean a lot if you could uh, subscribe to it and, and listen to it at least. Uh, maybe there's some something in there that's going to encourage you, an experience you felt. Uh, what I keep finding is the more people I talk to about mental health, the more I realize I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the greatest things that we can do in this day and age is help eliminate stigmas and you know let's just get back to being good people i think to me the the three words that keep popping in my mind the whole time that we've been talking and what i really want to lead this podcast with are these three words openness yep honesty and transparency and with that i I really feel it's a good place to put a pin in right now. You know, I, I agree completely. Yeah. Um, the goal was to, you know, give you a little bit of an introduction, some insight. You know, in future episodes, I'll dive into my childhood, my story. Um, I grew up in a great Christian home. Same. And, uh, you know, how I got to where I was and how I got to where I am now. I think Tom will do the same. We'll, yep. we'll dissect that. We're hoping maybe maybe Dinger Dave will join us. <laughs> I would love to have Dinger um, Dave. He's been saying to me for months, you need to talk to Tom. And uh, coincidentally, once I talk to Tom, here we are. So, if, if there's anybody out there who you feel would enjoy listening to two broken people ramble. <laughs> and I want to personally thank Jordan for coming out, being open with me. Sharing his story with me. Well, for for ten million, I couldn't say no. And uh, and uh, cucumber water. <laughs> There's no assistant. <laughs> um, we're sitting in the bathroom. <laughs> it's the best acoustics. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say accoutrements. <laughs> um, it's like no. But with that, guys, thank you, and Jordan, thank you. Yes, God loves you, and. Uh, there's there is brightness in that dark world. I I I promise you. There's brightness in that dark world, and you, yes, even you, are worthy of His grace. Amen. We'll we'll catch you on the next one. See everybody. Faith One Eighty is an independent podcast featuring, produced, and edited by Tom Hazelton and Jordan Hamilton. Got a question, suggestion, prayer request, or story of your own faith? Email faith180 at faith180crew at gmail.com. Faith 180 is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Don't forget to follow and turn on notifications for whenever a new episode goes live. Thank you for listening, and remember, you, yes you, you are worthy of God's grace.